When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Gamecock Central Radio Podcast. I'm Wes Mitchell alongside Chris Clark as we sort of get into week two of South Carolina's preseason fall football camp, Chris. And I I thought that the first week, for the most part, sort of, you know, went about as expected. Maybe a few surprises here or there on guys sort of stepping up. Maybe, you know, maybe the expectations for certain guys – go a little bit up a little bit down and and we'll see how that sort of continues they didn't put the pads on until you know friday i guess so you you don't really know a whole lot in those first three four days of of camp but um i I guess so far so good for south carolina haven't had that sort of um really bad injury or anything like that at this point so i I guess uh first of all man um and by the way, if you're joining us, we're, we're going to talk mostly fall camp, you know, mostly football. Uh, might delve into a little recruiting, but uh, for the most part, uh, the focus right now is on football. So that's what we're going to hit. Uh, any just sort of first impressions for you or even surprises or, or, or anything that just the opposite of that, that went exactly the way you expected in week one, Chris? <laughs> It's it's been sort of tough to get a like a full gauge on. You know, we we can see some things, we can hear some things, but we got to keep in mind. I mean, we we haven't seen, you know, full team eleven on eleven, go go go, you know, a lot of that stuff. And and we will at some point this preseason, I'm sure. But we've been pretty limited in what we've actually seen. But so I don't think there are a lot of, you know, surprises from that standpoint. Um, you know, I think. <laughs> What what we have seen is, you know, again, I go back to just being able to see how some guys look physically, you know, sort of assess the team speed, assess, assess the depth situation. And so I have been surprised, um, you, you know, by how a couple of the guys look just in terms of body composition and things like that. For example, I mean, one that you've been harping on, Wes, is, is Dennis Wanham, DJ Wanham. Just watching him, you know, again, it's just in drills and – you know, we've seen some Oklahoma drill and things like that. But he's he's a really physically impressive kid. Um, I remember you remarked to me in practice that he sort of looked in pads like Marquavius Lewis did um, last season as a senior. Mm-hmm. You know, and DJ's yeah. a sophomore, a guy who played last season. And I, I've been impressed with him because he, he really looks really technically sound. He's got good hands. He's a smart player. Does he have the you know, first step explosiveness of, you know, a guy who you could look at as a freshman or sophomore and say, well, this guy's got, you know, first round pick. He's just so twitched up. Not really, but he he does, he is an athletic guy. I remember Lance Thompson last year said, you know, he was asked about DJ Wanham early in camp, and he said, this guy, you know, he's got the mind of a senior. He's a very smart kid. Um, and, and remember, this is a guy that Will Muschamp really liked during recruiting. He was committed to Indiana. I mean, he didn't have a lot of traction in recruiting, and 
here we are now he played as a true freshman he's 255 and he's going to play a, a whole lot this season you know just looking at him and then looking at at a guy like brad johnson who's a freshman and he's apparently around the same weight and looks about half the size so i mean that that sort of tells you brad johnson's growth potential but um that was just one that came to mind was was just getting a look at dj warham and and how he's progressed and how much of a i think a step forward he may be able to take this season in more of a featured role yeah and like you said very technically sound i, I feel like there's uh and I, i've kind of struggled to find the best way to say it but it's almost with with Wanham, it's like there's no wasted motion if that makes any sense like sure um, when, when he does uh uh, sled drills his hands are so violent but it's it's also like he he knows exactly sort of that uh, the idea of you know the shortest uh distance from two points is a straight line like he, he knows exactly where to place his hands and there's a quickness and a violent a violentness in getting his hands to the proper place so um just a very he's very deliberate and, and that's not to say he's stiff, uh, you know, which is kind of the connotation there, but he's very deliberate in that he knows, he seems to know where his hands should be. Um, he seems to know how to lean like he's supposed to. And, you know, that, that can go a long way, I think, when you start to look at the big questions for this team. Um, you know, that buck position was a, a really big question mark going in. And, I, you know, I don't know if you can truly say any question is answered in, in one week, you know, a little over a week of practice, but... I think if you start to look at the progress of DJ Wanham, you look at, like you said, Brad Johnson, who's going to play some there. And then I, I think the guy that really makes you feel a little bit better about that position is that Bryson Allen Williams just brings this versatility to linebacker and to uh, and to the buck where, you know, we've seen him get a lot of work at least early in practice with the buck position. So, you know, I think you start to feel a little bit better about that spot, whereas before, you know, you, you look and you say, wow, lose Darius English. Um, you've got one guy there that's really played any meaningful snaps being Wanham, and that was as a true freshman last year. Uh, you know, it's a big question mark. So I, I think at the very least, as far as having guys that can help there, having a little bit of depth, um, you start to just feel a little bit better about that position. Now, of course, we're going to find out during the season how do they match up um, against the opponents how do they match up against other you know sec offensive tackles stuff like that trying to get off the edge um, that's something we still won't know but I, I think as far as just having guys that give you a chance um at the very least i think you start to feel a little bit better maybe about that buck position right and you know i think it's you know th there was a and we might hit on this later i have a feeling we're gonna hit on it later uh towards the end but you know going into the 2014 season there were some questions about South Carolina's defense from a pass rush perspective, you know, given what they lost. And, and that, that, is, that is a perfect tease for, for <laughs> later on, I think. Right. <laughs> and so there were questions, but, you know, I, I don't think many folks anticipated, you know, the, the train wreck that it was at times that season. Okay. And so <laughs> I feel like some people – are and look the pass rush is a legitimate concern and it, and and when you talk about pass rush it for a defense that you know was very opportunistic in terms of turnovers that's that's one reason why they were able to keep themselves in some games even win some games last season's turnovers they've got to do better just at getting off the field period you know forcing some punts this season but pass rush is a big part of that and 
some people are almost making it, they're going a little bit too extreme, I feel like, where, you know, don't feel like there's anybody that is even capable of rushing the pass the passer on the roster. It's a big concern until it's addressed. But, but, I think just from what I've gained, just hearing some things, I feel like in the short term and in the longer term that the staff feels not not great by any means because there's not a clowny, there's not a first-round pick on this roster in terms of, you know, pass rusher at this point. But there are some guys they feel like can do the job, um, you know, and, and be serviceable, and then some guys who have a chance to be really good. Because some of their play, you know, Bryson Allen Williams, he'll help there with the pass rush some. They'll put him in some situations, but he's also a senior. So you look at, well, who can who can help them now and then who can help them later? Well, you know, Wanham's still a sophomore. Kier Thomas is better suited to play outside, which he will this season. You know, Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson have the look of a couple guys that can help. It won't, you know, they're still freshmen, so you can't expect too much. But they'll be able to help some there. So they have some guys. I don't think it's um, as dire as, you know, in looking back at 2014, they just didn't have any guys that could get it done, really. Um, I don't think it's that dire. But it is a question. And so, uh, you know, this staff, they got a lot of experience doing it. They still need to continue to upgrade the roster from a personnel standpoint, but I think Mike Peterson did a really good job with Darius English last year. I think that'll continue with that buck position. I think they've got a little bit more flexibility when you talk about that guy, those guys and that that I just mentioned, and Dante Sawyer on the outside. Who, you know, look again, probably not going to have a you know a twelve thirteen sack guy on the roster, but if they can piece it together and be better than they were last season to sort of take some of the pressure off the secondary, help out on third down, that would be huge for this team, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think Mike Mike P., a a rising star in the coaching industry, a lot of people very high on that guy. So Mm -hmm. it'll be be fun to see what he can do with that young talent at that position and and as they sort of try to put it all together. Uh, You know, I, I think another guy, to me, the most consistently mentioned and everybody always wants to hear about and talk about newcomers but I I think the talk of the first week um, and it even carried over into Travaris Robinson you know on on the defensive side when he spoke um, had to be Shy Smith Uh, you know I think this is a guy that we all knew was very very good very talented um, had a chance to I think with Shy you felt like as long as he you know took care of business uh, didn't really um, face any major injuries or something like that from an athlete standpoint, you always sort of felt like watching Shy in high school. Okay, this guy's going to contribute in some way at the college level. Like he just has that look about him. He has that ability about him. But I, I don't know that I thought Shy would sort of be the talk of camp, which I, I think to this point he he absolutely has been in a lot of ways and has been impressive. That seems to have continued over to the pads going on, which sometimes, you know, these sort of slot types are very, very impressive before the pads go on, and then it sort of uh, wanes a little bit when the pads go on because that quickness is negated a little bit. But, um, you know, so far, as far as Shy Smith goes, as far as this offense goes, I, I think we all knew there was some depth at receiver. We all knew there was some depth, obviously, at tight end and running back. But uh, to me, Shy Smith has sort of been – uh, your most talked about guy, especially of the newcomers uh, during this first sort of week plus, Chris. Yeah, and it's a good point that, you know, you, you have to be careful when you're projecting uh, skill position guys even uh, because, you know, once you get to the season, 
and you've got 11 on 11 ball out there under the lights i mean it, it's different even than than summer player run practices it's different than one-on-ones in practice i mean the space closes up it's just everything's a lot tougher for these guys and they're going to face off against some you know if when he trots out there he'll be playing against some guys who who can also play their own scholarship they're really good too um, but we did hear a lot of, consistently, like you said, a lot of good returns on Shy over the summer in terms of just guys, you know, guys just couldn't cover him in the summer when they were out there working out, and that's sort of carried over into practice too. For me, you know, the question is, okay, how much is he going to play? What are they going to do with him? Because athletically, he's good enough to where, you know, Kurt Roper's got a lot of short passing game concepts. Roper's philosophy in an ideal world is get the ball to your playmakers, get it to them in space, let them run after the catch, let them do things. Don't make it too complicated in that regard. So, you know, Shy Smith's the type of guy where he's he's fast, uh, he's but he's also tough in the open field. He's quick. He's a good route runner. He, he can step and go. And he's sort of like Debo Samuel in that regard. You know, he, he becomes a little bit of a running back after the catch. You know, and and so I think he'll continue to get bigger and better. For me, it's just how much can he do? How will he fit into the rotation? Because, um, you know, as a freshman, you're, you're still having to learn the passing game concepts. But he's athletically good enough to where they can plug him in and let him even do some certain things, even on a limited basis. And I'll be curious to see how he fits in on special teams as too too. Because I mean, he's another guy that you'd like to get the ball in his hands if at all possible. And if if they trust him in the return game to take care of the football, that'll be a big aspect of it. And you're talking about plugging in a freshman to do it in that case. Um, I think he could he could make some noise there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Punt return, kick return. I, I think those are all spots that he's going to have a, a real shot to to get into the game. Um, you know, I, I think moving forward, it, it, there's a lot of position battles that are going to be worth keeping an eye on. Um, you know, you you look at the secondary and I think that's a position that you do get asked about a decent amount but there's so many moving parts in the secondary that it's kind of just about finding the top five because you know they'll they'll be in nickel a lot um, and then sort of everything else everything else sort of falls into place behind that I feel like um, you know who's going to start where is a is an easy question to ask but it's a hard question to answer just because it's going to depend on you know, does a Keyson Nixon get to the point mentally where he's ready to to go ahead and play as a guy that got here a little bit later than everybody else? Is Jamias Williams more of a second teamer this year, or does he go ahead and step in at that nickel spot? Does Chris Lamonts play nickel, corner, or safety? You know, he's someone who can play pretty much any spot. So I, I think you know Lamonts is going to be on the field certainly somewhere, but. Um, who the other starters are, you know, you, you imagine Jamarcus King is on the is on the field. You imagine Rashad Fenton is on the field um, uh, with a solid spring behind him. It seems like DJ Smith is going to have a spot on the field. So those other spots are kind of going to depend on uh, what puts the best five on the field. So that that'll be intriguing to watch. I think starting linebacker, obviously, you know, those positions are pretty much already locked up. It's more about depth there, uh, but. The, the big position that I think also could sort of uh, maybe have an effect on other positions, Chris, ha- has to be left tackle. And, you know, we haven't heard from Eric Wolford yet. He's going to speak to the media at some point. It's not this week. We haven't talked to him, you know, as far as since fall has started and see where his head is at. But one thing I think we all know about Eric Wolford, 
is that he is going to try every single possibility to try and get his best five on the field. He's not one of these, hey, you know, we're going to go with these five and stick with it. Um, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to try everybody everywhere if he has to. So that, that's a position from everything I've heard. There's been moving parts at left tackle. Um, there's several guys that that have a chance, but all three of them sort of have uh, things that concern you as well. So uh, I think left tackle moving forward is probably going to be one of those most watched position battles uh, that, that's going to affect other positions on the line as well. Yeah, and, you know, Wolford, as we know from his first stint at Carolina, as you said, Wes, he won't hesitate to rotate guys around. They, they've they got to fix, you know, that's the, the, the position they've really got to solve. And when we say they've got to solve left tackle, I don't want anybody to take that to mean, well, everything else is set. They feel great about it. That's not the case. But that's a position that's really, really important for them. And so they've already, you know, they made some moves in terms of, you know, kicking Bailey out to right tackle this spring, and that's a move that could stick. But, you know, even when they got past spring ball (laughs) and in the midst of spring ball, it wasn't like the staff felt entirely comfortable with everything. I mean, there's still recognition that, you know, got to fix that left tackle position, got to get some stability, you know, got to create some more competition at the guard spots. A couple guys they got to continue to motivate with summer around the corner in terms of getting them to hit some goals in the weight room, things like that. And so, you know, they stayed over in May. Um, a lot of the guys, you know, put in some extra work. They were able to hit some goals in terms of losing weight, gain some muscle. Um, <clears throat> some of the guys have, have sort of stepped up and accepted those responsibilities. You know, you look at a Donnell Stanley, and he's someone that's that's been a good worker for them, but he just unfortunately got injured on the first play of the game last season. And, and then played a few more snaps, and then that was it. I mean, and for someone who really wanted to get on the field, that was tough. But, you know, he's 315 pounds or so now, which is where they want him. And that gives them, you know, you can feel better about that. Then you got a Blake Camper who missed a lot of the season last year. You got Sidarius Hutcherson who's young, Dennis Daly, Malik Young. So they've got some guys they can plug in at left tackle, and I think that's one of the main storylines to watch is, is are they going to, permanently move anybody around because they're doing some shuffling they're doing some experimenting as you said Wes um, but they've they've got to you know figure out okay at some point where are we going with this and what are we going to roll with and, and then just try to make it as, as good as you can after that and, and no uh no just cupcake to start the year is the uh the other part of that I mean you, you got uh, th- this NC State defensive line True. I mean, truly, I, I don't think, you know, the off season you hear a lot of hyperbole, which is another tease for later on. Um, there's a lot of hyperbole, but I, I don't think that this hype for this NC State defensive line is, is overhype. I, I think that it is truly, you look at, uh, obviously, Clemson, then you look at NC State. That, that's, that's two of the best defensive lines I think South Carolina is going to face this year. So, so this line, and, and you know what? I, I do wonder how, how much does that play into your thought process heading into week one? You know, may, may, maybe the guy, Chris, that is the best uh, player at left tackle or the best five week one is not necessarily the same 
answer for week five. You know, I, I think a guy like Dennis Daly, um, you know, has some ability to him, the junior college transfer. Maybe as the year goes on, he gets a chance to make more and more noise, but maybe week one you feel like you almost have to go to a guy that's got a little bit more experience. Um, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. I'm just saying if everything's sort of equal going in, um, you know, I think you're going to sort of err towards experience, whereas as the year goes on, um, you know, like we said, other guys are going to get their chance if, if that line doesn't look good. And, um, you know, Wolford's even a guy that um, even if the team as a whole has played well, if he thinks he can upgrade a spot, he'll, he'll give a guy a, a chance, you know, as a year goes on. You got to he, – he's one of those guys that you have to keep earning your spot every single week in practice. So I, I think that's going to be one of the more I, – I remember his first year here um, – there were there were different lineups out there very very often it seemed like <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean I, I can't remember what it was i mean we went through at one point in the off season and sort of looked at all the different game lineups from that season he was in columbia and i mean th- there were several different starting lineups or if the lineup was was the same one week sometimes he shifted it during the game it is you know he he didn't hesitate to pull guys and you know there are some similarities in in him returning to Columbia this time around and you know when he when he got to Columbia for the 2009 season and that you know it it was a situation in which you looked at the line the previous season and said you know it needs to be fixed because it's not you know good enough and in each in fairness you know the for example, like the 2008 South Carolina offense wasn't all the offensive line. And last season, it wasn't all the offensive line either. But nobody could take an objective look at the O-line and say, okay, it's it's in great shape going forward. You know, and so they've got to, <clears throat> you know, improve some things on the current roster and they've got to recruit. And that's how you – that's how really you fix any position in which you feel uh, you're not as good as you need to be. So, um, you know, th- they'll continue to do that. Um I think it'll be really interesting to, you know, to watch the moves and see what they do uh, going forward. Absolutely. And uh, all right, so that's pretty much, uh, I think, a good recap of of week one. Uh, Heading into week two, like I said, uh, I think we get Lance Thompson one day. We get, um, uh, let's see, Brian McClendon the other day this week. So it'll be interesting to hear from those guys about some of those position battles um, that, that are going on at their respective positions. Um, re- recruiting, I feel like right now, Chris, recruiting, I should say, is always going on. It never truly stops, but a portion, a good portion of the focus sort of turns to to football and to fall camp and to getting everything ready there while there's sort of just on the side. You have to keep talking to guys. You have to stay in touch with guys, and I feel like you especially, it, it does help that these high school kids are there. They're starting their camp as well they're getting ready for their season so their focus is on football versus get you know getting blown up on twitter and texts every single day but I, I think you do have to focus on uh you know obviously the guys that are getting close to close to decisions and uh you know we, we won't spoil it all for our um awesome subscribers who make everything possible by you know by giving everything away but i, I would say worth mentioning that uh you know two guys in and a J.C. Horn and a Josh Van are, are two guys that we're tracking, uh, you know, a little bit extra close right now just because um, those two guys have been sort of, uh, I would say, 
trying to close in on a decision uh, for some time now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, J.C. originally with the uh, original plan of deciding on July 15th, and then Tennessee came back in and sort of muddied the waters. And so it's really gone back and forth between Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee. I mean, he's been uh, close to really each of those have led. I mean, each of those have been in pole position at one time or another. And, you know, I think the indications are he'll visit South Carolina again. We actually have an interview with him, uh, you know, on our front page uh, that our subscribers can check out. But where he sort of goes in more depth on that. But certainly he's a guy that after the recruiting dead period ends during the season, you take another visit and, you know, expected to render a decision during this season. And Josh Van has, has been, you know, really for quite some time hoping to make a decision uh, before his senior campaign gets underway. And, and a guy that South Carolina has been battling Georgia for and has had a really good shot with. So a lot of South Carolina's targets, major targets, going to be waiting until – you know, later, sometimes much later in the process, and we won't know anything until, you know, December, January, February. Uh, but those are a couple guys who are major targets who, you know, are, are moving closer and closer, as you said. Major targets and uh, major, major offer lists for, for a lot of these guys, too. You know, everybody, um, especially I, I think people, Chris, that follow it a little bit more um, on the uh, – sort of outside maybe don't delve into every little thing that happens in recruiting or, or saying where you know where's the four-star guys where's the highly recruited guys and uh, you know you look at Josh Van you look at JC Horn you look in the future at, at a Dylan Wanham who you know we spent a good portion talking about his his older brother DJ Wanham uh, you look at some of these guys Channing Tindall right down the road at Spring Valley someone who I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to see this year in person because he's absolutely blown up since this time last year um you know, the, the highly recruited guys, it, it just so happens, are, are the ones that have sort of decided to wait a little bit longer to, uh, you know, make their decision. So that, that'll be fun to track uh, during the season. Um, of course, South Carolina will be looking at getting a lot of those guys on campus for games um, as they start their home slate. Uh, let's see. As we get ready to close it out, we sort of teased this a little bit earlier. Um, it's something that's, I think, generated a pretty good bit of discussion. Um, I heard uh, – I heard uh, WG and Tim Hill talking about it on 107.5 uh, Monday morning as well. But these comments, Chris, from uh, – and you mentioned earlier – these comments from Lorenzo Ward. You mentioned earlier that the 2014 preseason slate, Ward sort of talking about, uh, I, you know, this defense, uh, I believe, Chris, he went as far as to say could be better than the one before. That's my uh, recollection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, right. Of course, that would be 2014 would be a year that South Carolina did not have uh, Jadavian Clowney on the field for them. Uh, so, so Whammy has been sort of uh, creating a little bit of, uh, I guess, turmoil maybe in 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 Gamecock Nation about his comments when he said that his two pass rushers, James Hearns and Trayvon Young, were better pass rushers as a combination, the Jadavian Clowney and Devin Taylor. Um, now, I will say, first of all, Whammy does, Chris, like to, at times, exaggerate. Um, so not really a huge surprise in, in that way. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, also worth pointing out that he said the combination of these two was better than the combination of Clowney and Taylor. And he did go on to say, that he does not think either one of those guys 
is as good as Jadavian Clowney uh, singularly. So I, I think some of this is a little bit of, oh my God, did you see that headline? Um, <laughs> I can't believe he said that. And then the rest of this is uh, just Lorenzo Ward being Lorenzo Ward. He's a guy that's always sort of hyped his guys. And, and, and he's been a guy that's always the other side of that. He's, he has always shown confidence in his guys <laughs> um, dating back to his time in Columbia. Sure. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's still it's still talking season, um, you know. So people, you know, people are going to come out and say what they say, and you know, obviously, some fans. I'm surprised we have a thread about it on our message board right now. I'm I'm surprised that more people haven't sort of made that connection with the the preseason 2014 comments, or maybe somebody has. If not. It'll be up there soon, I'm sure. <laughs> sort of, sort of linking the 2014 comments yeah. and saying, "Okay, well, how much stock can you put in this?" But look, I mean, those two guys are good players. There's, there's no doubt, um, you know. But I, I don't really anticipate. You know, you wouldn't really expect a lot different. I mean, you know, you're gonna have a guy who, you know, I don't know the context of the question. If somebody asked him, you know. That, that question straight up or if he just pulled it out out of thin air in terms of hey I'm going to make this point because I think those two guys are better um, you know Jadavion Clowney was a guy that I mean you you had to know where he was every single play you, you changed your game plan you know because of him and you probably do that with Hearns and Young to a degree you, of course you want to know where those guys are and scheme against them and, and they are dangerous pass rushers um, in that type of defense, especially that they've run, and of course they'll be they'll be changing things up this season. But you know, I, I just I can't really. I think Jadavion Clowney he's almost equal to more than one player, not just because of how good he was individually, but just because of how much he made you. I mean, really change what you wanted to do on offense. I mean, you may say, "Okay, I want to. I'd, I'd like to attack this way, but I can't because of Clowney, or I have to put, I have to use a tight end to chip or a back to chip." You know, there are just a lot of different things that you have to do. You want to run zone read, you know, to his side. He may tackle both guys. I mean, we saw that in games before. So, um, and Devin Taylor was. I mean, look, he was a good player too. He's a guy that plays in the league right now. Um, it's not like he put up absolutely phenomenal numbers but he was a really good player now part of the product of that to be fair is the guys around him were really good too but you could say that about a lot of players I mean everybody on that Clemson defensive line last season was better because of the guys they were playing with everybody on Alabama's defense line and their defense in general was better because of the guys around them and it was the same way with those Gamecock defenses that secondary uh, you know, mm-hmm. they were better because of the pass rush and vice versa. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's personally something that people need to absolutely go nuts about. Um, I can see both sides of it. Right. Um, you know. Right. I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And, you know, uh, every every great defense um, is going to have a bunch of good players around them. Um, sure. You know, and, and, and Devin – Devin's actually, I didn't realize this, uh, Devin's top 10 all-time at South Carolina in career sacks, um, mm-hmm. and uh, which I, I always, uh, and, you know, WG made this point this morning, I always thought Devin of being more sort of your all-around, technically sound defensive end, huge just wingspan where he could, 
sort of disrupt things and get his hands up and uh, you know it was hard to get around if you were a running back because he could reach out and misdirect you almost uh, and uh, and hey the guy's going into his fifth year in the NFL so that that says something there's been a lot of really good football players that did you know that didn't stick in the NFL for for a fifth year and and also the guy's <laughs> like six eight. 270 pounds now so uh, you know <laughs> yeah but, yeah but then you throw in the fact that I mean this South Carolina team at that point they were putting you know they were rolling Melvin Ingram out there um at different spots on the field as well uh, you know Chaz Sutton was sort of a guy that never never did huge things as a starter but was a very quality backup for South Carolina so um, those guys were able to rest um at times as well when they needed it so you know that all those let's be honest all those guys sort of fed off of each other but that like you said I think you, the words you said talking season that's still uh still very much true it's still talking season yeah. for at least a couple more weeks a few more weeks and then uh, and then we'll find out um but hey it, it makes for good discussion I'll give Whammy that um it makes for very very good discussion um so anyway we'll we'll probably do this again what do you say Chris maybe later this week after we uh, get a little more uh, from the coaches this week, and then of course, uh, fir- first scrimmage is is Saturday, right? We we obviously yep. won't have full access to that, but uh, first scrimmage always to me, you sort of mark camp down as okay. Uh, camp starts. There's sort of a, a marking point. Pads go on. That's sort of a a point, and then first scrimmage. That's when guys really start to either earn positions or lose positions so I, I think everything starts to come come a little bit more in focus Chris when you get that first scrimmage for sure I mean that that's their opportunity to put them out there and see how they respond and again there's always you know especially when you're talking about you know we touched on this last time special teams and you know guys can do one thing in practice and and maybe not necessarily do it in games, but scrimmage is going to be the best approximation of that. Um, I mean, just when you're looking at how guys are playing along the lines of scrimmage, you know, are they getting open? Are they making the right decisions? Are their are their reads and their keys on defense correct? That's going to be the best opportunity for the coaching staff to assess it because that's the closest they can get to a game situation. And so, um, you know, the the one on ones, the drills, all those things are great. The summer workouts you know set the tone they they set the table for all that because and it's so so important uh but at the end of the day it's about going out there and doing the job and so uh that'll give them a chance to to be able to see what these guys can do in that type of setting i I think there there could be some surprises um i think a lot of the commodities that are known are known i don't think they'll scrimmage a lot of the bigger names you know that they may make some of it about some of the younger guys and creating some more competition but there are a lot of areas areas in which guys that are even penciled into starting jobs or even sort of locked into starting jobs they still got to get a lot better too and so it'll it'll serve several purposes for them on saturday absolutely and uh, before we go i do want to mention uh, chris one of our prime sponsors who helped make the site possible that is a uh, hyatt place harbison uh, very excited again to partner up with them to offer a special uh, game weekend rate of $124 a night, I should say, $124 a night plus tax at Hyatt Place Harbison. Obviously, a lot of different hotels. Um, the, the the demand at a hotel is going to determine your price. So most places in Columbia, South Carolina on a game day weekend, um, 
you're gonna pl- you're gonna pay a pretty penny to stay. So um, very very excited to once again team up with Hyatt Place Harbison and Adam Miller over there. They do a great job, and uh, this is a perk that we brought our members last year and are excited to bring to them again. That's Hyatt Place Harbison, and uh, you can lock in that special rate on uh, the Insider Forum by looking at the top. Um, and, and clicking through with that link. Uh, that's Hyatt Place Harbison, one of our prime sponsors on Gamecock Central. Uh, Chris, enjoyed it as always, man. We, uh, we'll do it later this week. For Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell, Gamecock Central Radio Podcast. We'll talk to you later. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.